0: Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 157 and I'm talking with Camille Heron. Camille just made headlines because she broke the 24-hour record on a track and the 100-mile world record on the track as well this past weekend at Desert Solstice. Camille has been making waves in the ultra scene for a few years now, though she's still relatively new to the ultra world. Uh, She was a longtime marathoner. She has a marathon PR of 237.14 and she transitioned to ultras back in 2015. Since then, she has been making waves and doing amazing things. She won the Comrades Marathon in 2015. 2017 which is a huge deal in South Africa and all over the world this is a 56 mile race that she ran 705 pace with insane elevation Camille has her sights set on doing some big big things in the ultra world that she hasn't done yet she holds several world records though the 12-hour world record on the track the 24-hour world record on the track and she is also the 100k champion Her and her team got a gold medal in the 100K championship. So she's done a lot of really cool things. And I actually had the opportunity to meet Camille back in 2014 randomly at the Carmel Marathon. So it's been fun to know that I met her back in the day and then to see her kind of explode into the ultra scene here in the last couple of years. Uh, She definitely has her sights set on winning comrades again, winning Western states in the future, all kinds of big things on her radar. So make sure you're following Camille. She is Run Camille on Instagram. And I gotta give Coros a shout out, Coros Global. She was wearing their watch on her run, the track run that she just did, the 24 hours. And it still had 32% battery life left when she was done. So, hello. You guys, uh, you guys can save 10% on a Coros watch. That's the watch I've been using. That's the watch I got Glenn for Christmas. Uh, You can save 10% on that watch if you use the code ANOTHER when you check out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Hey, guys, before we get started talking with Camille, I want to thank Lily Trotters for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Lily Trotters is the compression sock that I love, that I wear. I'm actually wearing them right now. Glenn and Sandy and I went on a 10-mile run this morning. It was beautiful and glorious to run with just one of the kids and Glenn, the one kid that's not verbal yet, so we got to talk and not be interrupted. Uh, But as soon as I got back from my run, I put on my Lily Trotters compression socks, and I love them. This is a woman-owned company. They are made in the USA, and not only do I believe in what they do, they are really cute and comfortable. You guys can save 25% off your order at Lily Trotters when you use the code another. And I can't believe that they're giving that big of a discount. 25% is a really big discount. So make sure you take advantage of that. Lilytrotters.com. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. Great stocking stuffer. Their socks are affordable and they also have some cute Christmas style socks as well right now. So yeah, check them out. Big fan of their company and what they are doing. Hey, if you are listening to the show on a regular basis, or if you're listening to it for the first time and you enjoy it, I would appreciate so much if you would consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or whatever app you listen. That is the best way, one of the best ways, so I hear potential new listeners find the show. So if you can do that, it literally takes like, one minute, probably not even one minute unless you have some really deep profound things to say which I will read if you do so if you do leave a long review, don't worry I'll read it all and I I soak them all up because I appreciate each and every one of them, Uh, but if you could leave a review that is a super helpful way to support the show the more reviews I have, the more my show will show up on iTunes and when people search the show and if you aren't already subscribed go ahead and hit subscribe, you won't be disappointed, there will be more Fun, good episodes to come after this one. All right, guys, thanks so much for being here, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Camille Heron. Today on the podcast, we have Camille Heron. Welcome to the show, Camille.
1: Hi, hi, great, great to chat with you, Lindsay.
0: I'm so excited to have you, and um, you know, you're making headlines right now for breaking some major records that we're going to talk about. But I have to tell you, we met. And I think it was 2014. And you would have no recollection of this. (laughs) Oh, wow. So where where was it at? Okay. So this is so random. And this is before you were like in the ultra obviously if it was 2014 I did some work for the Carmel Marathon here in Indianapolis I live in Indianapolis
1: oh, yeah okay gotcha and
0: I can't remember what I was doing because I've done like all kinds of random things in the running world here in Indy and um, but I was working some booth for some reason or another and Terry Fletcher was like oh, toting yes. you around now, like he had you he he was like showing you around <laughs> and he said this is the girl that's gonna win the marathon tomorrow and I was like, Oh really?
1: Uh, that's great. Yeah, Terry Terry was my massage therapist when we lived up there. So um he was definitely I, I call him he was the glue that kept me together for, for the years that we were up there. So he's he's an awesome guy.
0: Were you actually living in Indy?
1: Um yeah my my husband um he used to coach at Purdue so we lived up in um West Lafayette from 2007 to 2011. Um so oh. yeah we Yeah, I, I wonder if we ever crossed paths like um you know sooner than that. But yeah, I mean I was I ran the the Indy Mini Marathon several times and you know I just kind of did like smaller races around that area so
0: that's too funny. I didn't know that piece of the story. Wow. You really were in Indiana. So I live in Indianapolis. Yeah. So West Lafayette's like an hour north. But um, uh-huh. I, I very specifically remember when I talked to you, though, you um, that I said something about, are you nervous? And you were like, no, it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was. It was fun
1: to come back and to see Terry and um, spend a couple of days back up there. So,
0: yeah. And so, you know, I kind of met you and I knew at that time I was like, oh, this girl's really fast. And that was kind of when you were on your streak of like running marathons back to back and, uh, and yeah. winning all these marathons. So, mm-hmm. it, I mean, since then, though, you've really like made a name for yourself in the ultra r- world.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was kind of that that period where I was running all these marathons. And um, it was just really a lot of fun. And um, I mean, I, I guess I started my marathoning career like a traditional marathoner and try to run like one or two a year. Um, but then I got I kind of got like roped into running um, one marathon after another. And, um, that kind of fit more my personality just cause I, I mean, I like to run, I like to race and, um, you know, I, it was just, it was just a lot of fun to be able to travel and, um, you know, just, just keep doing marathons. So, I mean, that, that back-to-back marathoning thing is, um, you know, before you know it, people are like, well, why don't you do ultras? You know, if you're running, Uh, you know, two marathons back to back weekends, that's like 52 miles, you know, that, you know, maybe you'd be a good ultra runner. So that's kind of how that's what led me into ultra running in 2015.
0: So that went, you went from marathon extraordinaire to ultra extraordinaire. (laughs) Now, let's just kind of like, let everybody get to know you a little bit. You're from Oklahoma. You grew up playing basketball. Now, when did you realize that you're that you were good at basketball, but running was where your heart was?
1: Yeah, and um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I I grew up as a basketball player and uh, my dad and grandpa played basketball at Oklahoma State for Henry Iba. Um so they were I got I got the long and lean jeans that, that my my dad and my grandpa had. So I mean, I like, you know, I was pretty motivated to be a good basketball player. Um but in junior high, we had to go out for off-season track um uh, conditioning for basketball. And so, literally, from the first day, like I could run and run and run, and I didn't get tired. And I laughed because um, I didn't realize that there was anything unique about me. I just thought all my teammates were being a bunch of wimps. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they would start walking and I would keep running. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a natural fit that um, running just felt pretty natural and easy to me. And, um, and then I, I went out for cross country that falling fall. And I mean that's what really made me fall in love with running was you know I loved being on the hills and you know running on natural terrain and um and I just realized like I mean running just was so natural and easy to me that um after 8th grade um I just decided to stick with running I felt like that was kind of my my niche and my calling in life so
0: Well and you seem you exuberate happiness and joy. I mean, you're always smiling. So totally. Is that how you feel? (laughs)
1: Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I joke that I, I feel like I'm the mouse that gets on the wheel and runs all day just because they like to run. I don't know, you know, what wires a mouse to run on a wheel, but I feel like I have that and that just natural instinct to me. And that running makes me happy and it feels good. And, um, you know, there's an intrinsic component to running that is not just about like pushing yourself in competition. Like it actually makes me feel good and it has good endorphins. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's a lifetime sport that, you know, however far you want to go and, um, you know, whether, and you know, it, it changes lives like it, it, it's amazing what, where it's taken me. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a really cool thing. So.
0: Did you ever think it would take you here? Because when you were running the back-to-back marathons, you were sponsored by Marathon Guy, but that was probably not anywhere near the scale where you're seeing sponsorship now (laughs) with Nike and, you know, this this is your career.
1: Yeah, it it was pretty shocking. Um, I mean, I I worked full time as a research assistant, and um, like you know, I was pretty pretty devoted to my my professional career in um, 2014, 2015, and um, when I ran my first 100k um at Mad City in 2015, um, I mean, I was driving to work on a Monday morning, and the race director called me while I was driving to work, and. And told me that I had broken all these records. And um, one of the records I broke was by Ann Trayson. And um, I mean, I didn't know enough about the sport at that time to know, really know who Ann Trayson was. So I kind of had to Google who was Ann Trayson. Um, and I realized, you know, she's probably considered the greatest of all time. Um, and so I, I, I laughed that my first 100K felt like Billy Elliot doing ballet for the first <laughs> time. Um, it was kind of this amazing realization like, oh, you know, I think I was meant to do this. Like, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that's never been super, super fast. But I, you know, just the fact that I could run like one marathon after another and, um, and then, you know, just keep going. And, um, I mean, even my first 100 K, I hardly took in any fuel and yet I broke all these records. So, I mean, there was definitely some sort of physiological component about me that made me different. Um, and yeah, so that 100 K was kind of the, the turning point for me. Like, oh my gosh, like, I wish I had tried this sooner. Like this might be what I was meant to do. So, um, but yeah, it was it was pretty overwhelming for me to to find out. Um, I mean, I was I was kind of at the the turning point in my my running career where I was debating on whether I wanted to continue competing and, and to do it seriously. And I mean, getting into ultra running just kind of opened me up to a whole new world of, um, goals and race opportunities. And, um, you know, it's like, if you had, if you had chapters in your running career, I feel like I'm on, you know, maybe the third or fourth chapter now.
0: So I love thinking about (laughs) it that way in terms of chapters. Well, yeah, because You have a marathon PR of two thirty seven, so it's like you are a very good marathoner. But you, looking at the ultra scene, you're an excellent ultra marathoner. So <laughs> it's like different. It's like a whole other level.
1: Yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, I I remember I went to run um, against Magdalena Boulay um, over in New Zealand um, at Tarawera. Uh, last year and you know and everybody's comparing our marathon PRs and and, you know on paper you know everybody's like oh you know the faster marathoner is going to be beat the slower marathoner and you know and they they asked us this question when they're interviewing us and I you know I said you know beyond 40 miles it becomes anybody's race basically Mm -hmm. and it's more about your, your nutrition and how good of a fat metabolizer you are. And so, I mean, that, that during the race, that kind of ended up being the turning point. I, I mean, I feel like I hit 40 miles in an ultra and it's like I put on my jet pack or something. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I mean, I just, I just, I, it was amazing. It was, it's really strange for me to, to race somebody like Magdalena and you who know, i raced for years as a marathoner. I mean, she kicked my butt. And to be running ultras and, you know, to be ahead of her and, you know, to, to beat her by 20 plus minutes. I mean, it was really like, how does that happen? But I mean, there really, there really is a unique physiology to what we do. And, um, you know, going further to 24 hours, it becomes more your mind uh, taking over your legs. So.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that. But first, I want to break down the 40 miles. So why 40 miles? Why is that like a significant place in the run where you feel like, it's anybody's yeah. game.
1: Yeah, Um, you know, it's interesting because my my first 100k that I ran, um I, you know, you don't know, it was kind of scary going into the unknown and like, you know, what's my body going to go through? And I found I found very consistently around 35 to 40 miles. Um if I if I'm running a 50 mile to 100k race, which for me is about 6:30 to 7 minute per mile pace, And so going at that pace and going, you know, 50 miles to 100k, it's like you reach a point where you're you reach glycogen depletion, kind of like when you hit the wall in a marathon. Um, And so it seems to happen about 35 to 40 miles. And then it just becomes how good of a, how, you know, how much slow twitch fibers you have and how, how, um, how good of a fat metabolizer you are. Um, and so I just, I find, I hit this point and I start to catch the men and I start to catch the, the people that are probably faster, uh, on paper, faster marathoners. and um, and it's, I mean that's just really kind of the turning point where it it becomes more of a, a physiology type thing over a speed and you know being being a fast marathoner so um yeah I mean that's that's just it's it's kind of crazy I mean ultras are really interesting and in that um you know once you hit that point it really just becomes um how good you are with your nutrition how good of a fat metabolizer you are and and then the mental aspect too
0: okay so when you first started doing when you first started doing ultras, you um you had had this professional career for quite a while as a researcher, and you studied um tell everybody what your thesis was on because I'm going to say wrong I know it's something about bones
1: yeah yeah it's uh, it's really cool I mean. Um, you know, before I became a serious runner, I, I went to grad school. And so, you know, I, I had a plan for, you know, what I was going to do with my life beyond running. Um, so I went to grad school and I studied um, bone and exercise and um, basically how to apply uh, mechanical stress to help enhance the recovery process and um, and so, like you know, if you can imagine, if somebody broke their femur, uh, like an elderly person fell and broke their femur, and um, I mean, there's a huge rehab process that they go through to to be able to come back. And so, basically, my my thesis involved um, using a whole body vibration platform. Um, as a mechanical stimulus to help um, enhance the blood flow and enhance the, the bone recovery. Um, and so I, I basically did an animal study and um, we looked at how the um, how whole body vibration training helped enhance the, the bone recovery process. So.
0: Okay. So you are all about the recovery process and you talk about yeah. that too. Like you talk about how you don't do the back to back long runs and you kind of do like two runs a day. So instead of doing like one 30 mile run, you're going to do two runs split up and explain to us the process behind that. And like the recovery behind splitting those runs up and and what does your recovery look like? Because you're running so many miles a week. What are you doing?
1: yeah great great question i i'm i'm impressed you've done your research <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it, like when, so i mean when i when i was in grad school and um you know i something to to go further back um i mean when I was a young athlete, i had multiple stress fractures. And so that was really kind of what piqued my interest in wanting to study bone. I mean, I wanted to study how to keep myself healthy and um, to be able to continue running for a lifetime. Um, And so, you know, um, as I got into grad school and around the same time, I mean, I was training for my first marathon. And um, the biggest takeaway I got from all of everything I was learning was that it's better to split the stress into multiple bouts in a day rather than a single bout. So if you had like, you know, two hours of runtime per day, it would be better to do it as, you know, one hour in the morning and one hour in the evening rather than a two hour bout. And so um, and I mean there's a lot of research behind this. I mean I was I was at a symposium um listening to a researcher talk about all this and you know it stuck it, they're talking about, you know, from a science standpoint, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, well, how does this apply to running? And basically, it's better to split the training into two bouts and to have uh, four to six hours uh, of recovery between the bouts. Um, and that ends up being a more anabolic stimulus to um, help um, from a musculoskeletal standpoint. Um, and so that really instilled with me that, okay, as a runner, I need to run twice a day, every day. And, you know, that's going to be the ideal uh, way to train. And so when I started doing that was when my um, I just really took off. Like, I found that I could run over 100 miles per week, like, with, with ease. And, um, and so that was, uh, I ran my first 100-mile week in November of 2006. Um, and I ended up running my first marathon and um, that following spring. And so I've actually gone now, I've gone 12 plus years of averaging <laughs> over a hundred
0: miles wow. per week. So, so in between the two runs though, so say, say I'm training for a marathon and, and tell me this back to when you were marathon training too. um, say I'm training for a marathon and I want to do like three 20 mile runs in my entire training cycle. Would you split those runs up in your day if that was your training cycle? Like the 20 um, miles?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, on a regular basis, like I'm running like 18 or uh, like maybe 16 to 18 miles per day, like on a normal, typical day. And But I definitely think, I mean, I think there are benefits to doing long runs and to spending time on your feet for, you know, maybe uh, for for me, I think I think of a, a long run as being eighteen to twenty two miles. Okay. Um, but you know what? One one really cool thing that I figured out through experimentation was um, rather than trying to extend the long run um, to keep the long run shorter, so eighteen to twenty two miles, and then come back for a second run in the evening time um, of like maybe four to six miles. And when I, when I started doing this, it was like, I started recovering faster from my long run and I could bounce back quicker uh, for a speed session on say like Wednesday or something like that. Um, And so, I mean, that, that kind of instilled the whole, like running twice a day, every day is a better stimulus than doing a single long run. And you just, I mean, your body likes to move frequently, like it likes to get that blood flow Going towards your legs to to get the the growth factors, the micronutrients, and to to help your your body recover. Um, and so yeah, I mean that's kind of even even when I run a marathon, I like to come back in the evening time for like a shakeout run or walk. And that was kind of how I did all these back to back marathons. Was I would I was moving frequently, you know, help my body recover. And um, yeah, it's it's quite fascinating. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, true. So what what Camille is telling you guys is when you do your long run on a Saturday morning, don't sit around the rest of the day. (laughs) Right? Like, do stuff. Like, move around. Exactly. I have little, small, little children, so I can never sit around after a long (laughs) run. I'm always chasing. But I think that people tend to do that. They're like, oh, I ran long today. I'm going to, like, lay on the couch. And it's like, sounds like what you're saying is the recovery. Is getting that blood flow going and moving is going to be your best your best thing you can do.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know it's hard for people to wrap their head around doing a long run and coming back to do another run, um, in the evening. But I once I started doing that, I, I I joke it was like magic. It was like, whoa, this. I I mean, you do a long run, and you're kind of stiff. You're kind of stiff. Oh, totally. You know, oh yeah like you're you're pretty stiff and i mean it might feel like total crap to come back in the evening time and to do that shakeout run but it will help you like the next day and the next two days and um, to be able to bounce back for the speed sessions
0: hey everybody i want to jump in real quick and thank a sponsor for this episode and that is outdoor voices Outdoor Voices makes high-quality, active apparel to take you from gym life to everyday life seamlessly and fashionably. Outdoor Voices believes that harder, faster, stronger is not necessarily always better, so they design gear for doing things, being active, and having fun. Outdoor Voices regularly hosts events across the country to keep you doing things and meeting new friends along the way. They have apparel that is available for both men and women. Outdoor Voices clothing is made to sweat in. They are available nationwide at OutdoorVoices.com and in Outdoor Voices shops in select locations around the country. Man, I wish we had one here in Indy. I don't think we have a local store here in Indy, though. If you have a local one, go out and check it. In your, in your neighborhood. I would love to go shop around in person. Ardor Voices offers free shipping and hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. Their signature textured compression hugs, sculpts, and supports as you hike, jog, and walk. I have a pair of their tights that I love. I love how they fit. I love how they look. I love the simple design that they have. It's the two-tone legging that I, that I wear. I have the gray ones, and then I have a couple shirts as well. Oh, the hoodie shirt that I wear. It is literally the softest material you will ever find, and I wear that sucker every time it's clean. So, you guys, for 20% off your first order of $100 or more, visit OutdoorVoices.com another and enter the promo code another at checkout. Again, for 20% off your first order of $100 or more, visit OutdoorVoices.com another and enter the promo code another at checkout. Thank you, Outdoor Voices, for supporting this episode of the podcast. Hey, if you guys are looking for additional content from me, I do have a Patreon page, which is a place where listeners who listen every week or most weeks can support the show. Patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. I put out one bonus episode a month with some extra goodies sprinkled in there every once in a while. I just put out an episode with Chrissy mail She's an ultra runner who I've had on the podcast before, episode 64. We did a live interview in Austin at the running event and that episode went up on my patreon feed I'm also recording an episode with Glenn here in the coming week, and get this, uh, Carly Gill, who was trying to qualify for the Olympic trials at CIM. She missed it by two minutes, but the girl is going to come back and qualify for the trials. I know she will. She's coming on the show, and we're going to talk about her training, what the race looked like, all kinds of good stuff, but I'm also going to interview her coach, Mario Fraioli, and he, his episode that I'm going to interview him and talk, I'm going to talk with him about how he coaches people who are at that level, trying to qualify for the Olympic standard, the strategies for coaching them and what Carly's training look like as well. I'm going to talk to Mario on Tuesday and that episode will go out on Patreon the same day that Carly's episode goes out on the show as well. So that's another exciting thing that I'm doing over on Patreon. Always looking for more ways to bring you exciting, different, fun content over there. And I would love it and appreciate it if you would consider supporting my work behind this show over there. Again, that's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. All right, guys, let's continue my conversation with Camille Heron. Okay, so let's talk about what you just did. You just made headlines breaking the 24-hour record on the track and the 100-mile world record on the track. So congratulations.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It was pretty mind-boggling.
0: <laughs> now, this was at Desert Solstice. So tell everybody what that race entails. What is what is the big thing about that race?
1: Um, yeah, Desert Solstice. And, I mean, it's it's growing and and um, becoming a, a, a bigger event for um, top level ultra runners to go to for for records and such. Um, the the race directing, um, Haley Pollock is a race director, and Aravipa, um, running is like the the management company. Um, but, yeah, they, they've really just helped to grow this event as a place where people can go for uh, age group records, uh, open world records, uh, American records. And, I mean, they they, they know what they're doing. And um, the event is USATF certified or USATF sanctioned and has the IAU label. Um, so they, they know what they're doing in terms of, you know, being able to apply for records and um, to get records ratified and such. So, um, the, the cool thing about this year is Jamil Corey, um, who, um, is part of Aravipa running, he was able to set up all these cameras on the track and to make it almost like you're watching, you know, a, an event on like ESPN or something. Oh, cool. So, I mean, there is, there is a lot of people watching that were able to watch the event. And I mean, it's, pretty darn exciting I mean people would think like oh 24 hours on a track that sounds awful like (laughs) 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 I mean it's hard enough you know to go run a 10k on a track let alone 24 hours um but you know it was very dramatic I mean we we had an amazing field of um top level men and women ultra runners and um ultra ultras are just they're they're kind of this mystery, and um, the further the, the distance, you know. People, I, I I joke that it's kind of like a death by a thousand paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, who's going to die and who's going to keep going. And it becomes this survival of the fittest type thing. And, and so, yeah, one by one, like some of the best runners started to, to drop, to drop out basically. And, and I kept going, I kept motoring along and uh, motoring along. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So
0: Okay, what were your thoughts going into it? Did you have your sights set on breaking these records, your sights set on winning, you know, overall, and having the best, I guess the most laps is what you would say? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it
1: was, it was hard to wrap my head around, um, how many laps I needed to run to, to get the world record. Um, you know, and I, I'm definitely not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about, okay, one lap down, you know, 650 to go. <laughs> you know, It's like, like, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you kind of have to zone out and, um, get in kind of your Zen, your Zen focus, um, going on the track and, Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that I've always considered myself a championship type runner where, um, you know, if it's a major competition, like I'm going to the comrades marathon or world championship or the Olympic marathon trials, it's one of those things where, you know, you want to bring your a game. And so that's kind of how I viewed desert solstice was, okay, I'm running against some pretty good people. And, you know, I want to bring my a game and, um, I because I I've set many world records um for for shorter events um like the 100 mile I set a world record that was 9.7% off the men's world record um and so trying to convert that to 24 hours uh my goal is basically to hit 170 miles uh, which is pretty far beyond the current or what what was previously the, the women's world record. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of went into it that, okay, I'm treating this like I'm going at um, a typical easy run type pace. Mm-hmm. But but like I told you, it's it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Like, it's one of those things that sounds easy on paper until you actually do it. And, I mean, it was just like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen overnight? You know, it's pretty, pretty darn crazy. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, so talk about that because you averaged 850 pace, correct? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. what did that pace look so. like here and there? Did you stop, you know, like how often were you stopping to to fuel and, you know, did you start out faster than that? What did that look breakdown look like?
1: Yeah, so I, I you know, everybody kind of had different strategies on um, how they were going to pace it. And for me, I viewed it kind of how the men's world record, um, Giannis Koros, uh, he would go out really hard for the first hundred miles, and then he would just like hold on through the night and go at whatever pace. Okay. And so my first hundred miles, I was able to to break the track American record, um, running thirteen twenty five, which was eight oh three per mile. Okay. So, so, I mean, I, I pretty much, I pretty much was on cruise control for the first hundred miles, um, you know, 13 plus hours of running, um, you know, that's like nine o'clock in the evening when I hit, hit that mark. Um, so I pretty much, I pretty much had decided that after I hit a hundred miles, I was going to drop my, slow my pace down to about eight thirty 30 to, to nine minute pace. And, um, you know, everything's going great. Um, I started to, I started to feel, you know, you have to, of course you everybody asked did I have to go to the restroom? Of course I had to go
0: to the restroom,
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know, so I had, you know, you have bathroom breaks and, you know, it might take like, for me, it was taking about 40, 45 seconds, um, for a bathroom break. Um, you know, so you, you have people, people don't realize, you know, I ran my first hundred miles is, you know, with bathroom breaks. So I ran 803 per mile with bathroom breaks, um, and then, you know, after, after hundred miles, um, you start getting into midnight and you're like, what is my body going to go through? You know, when I start getting, you know, sleep deprived and, uh, it gets cold, you know, it's hypo, hypothermia, um, so I kind of I hit I hit some uh, you know what what I call roadblocks where um, I, I I needed to change my shoes at one point because I, I felt like I had a rock in my shoe and it, it kind of created like a hot spot on the top of my foot so I had to change my shoes a couple times and um, and then I kind of I was kind of anticipating a, a, around 18 hours which is like uh, two to three o'clock in the morning and everybody had told me like. 18 hours was kind of the turning point um, for the race, and um, it just felt like I hit a point where I started getting dizzy, and I I think it's just like your natural circadian rhythm that you go through where your body starts to shut down and wants to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so we had kind of anticipated this might happen, and so I had to stop, and they had some Taco Bell. Uh, ready for me. And um, I had a, a double decker taco. And I grabbed <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where it started to get interesting. So I, I grabbed a double decker taco. And I had a rogue dead guy L beer. And, and I had to start walking a couple laps. And I mean, I'm I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy because I'm my body's shutting down. I'm starting to get tired, and um, you know, I'm trying to continue to move so my legs wouldn't get like stiff, like rocks. And so I probably had about 45 minutes where I'm just walking and stopping and trying to put on more clothes. And um, and so finally, I got to a point where I felt better, and I was able to get myself moving again. Um, But then it was like my, my legs were like rocks and nothing, nothing can prepare you for what this is going to feel like until you actually do it. And so I, it literally took all the mental will I had to get my legs turning over again. And the fastest I could go was like 10 minute miles. Mm-hmm. And you know i here I'm going from you know eight or three per mile for the first hundred miles to like I'm like a slug I'm going ten minute miles, I literally cannot go any faster, and so they they at that point, like all the other top competitors had dropped out or dropped back. And it really just became a race with myself and um, trying to to reach the women's world record. So
0: Well and at that point you knew you already got the record in the hundred, right? On the track.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I you know, I had gone out, everything was going really perfectly as far as um I had hit the hundred mile record, um, you know, and then I venture into the unknown um overnight and all this stuff starts to go starts to happen. And it just became my mind willing my legs to continue to turn over so that I could maintain a quick enough pace to hit the the women's world record. So,
0: I love this picture that I saw on your Instagram of you and Courtney running together. Tell me about that. And she, I mean, because she also. Um, I saw on Twitter that she tweeted, got to see this, in, you know, some, somebody tweeted about you setting the record and Courtney says, got to see this in person. And it was incredible way to raise the bar, Camille. I love that. Like, I love hearing, yeah. you know, one of your competitors, I mean, and friends and colleagues or whatever <laughs> you want to call her <laughs> yeah. cheering you on.
1: Yeah, it was, I, I think that's the cool thing about doing a track ultra like this is it's a very intimate experience because you're sharing a track together for 24 hours you see you see all the highs and lows that each other are going through I mean there's I saw multiple people puking and going in <laughs> the restroom and they're changing their shoes and and you're coming and going all day, and um, passing each other and, and, you know, um, you, you chat with each other, you tell each other, good job. And, you know, and, and when I, 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 passed Courtney several times and, you know, we were chat ch- chatting and, um, and then when she pulled off the track, I mean, I I think maybe it was just a human human nature type thing, but I I felt I felt for the other athletes when the other athletes were struggling. You know, I I felt like I I hope they're okay. You know, and um, you know, I have nothing seriously wrong. And um, and so it was it was it was very emotional. And um, you know, to to think about what the others were experiencing, and um. And yeah, and I I, I almost felt um, deflated, almost like when when other competitors were dropping out, when Courtney dropped out, and and Zach and Pat, um, it kind of deflated me because I felt like when they were in there, you know, I was able to push myself harder. And you know it, it motivates you to to compete with each other. And so once they were out of the race, it I felt deflated and I kind of felt like I lost that that drive to continue to push. And it just kind of became more of okay, I just want to get through the night, I want to get through the full twenty four hours and you know to hit that record. Um, so yeah, it was it was fascinating to to think of, you know, here it's such an emotional shared experience. And, you know, it felt, it felt like more than just a competition. It felt like we like, we're like, it's, it's a very personal and um, intimate type experience. And I mean, that was the cool thing about all of it. So
0: tell us what the last countdown looked like, like the last 10 minutes, (laughs) what were you, were you wide awake? Were you like a zombie?
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Like, I, I would say, like, my favorite parts of the race were uh, sun, sunset and sunrise. And so, when the sun started to rise, and you know, that, that kind of signaled to us that, okay, we're getting close to the finish. And, um, it was really interesting because like, you're just trying to gut it out, you know, to get to, to, to have run the full 24 hours. And I'm hoping, you know, nothing, nothing else like seriously goes wrong because there's, it's such a mystery with ultras sometimes. Like, you know, here I'm plugging along at, you know, such a, such a slow pace. Like I hope I hope nothing. Like I hope I don't pass out or something. You know, like right before I hit the record. And um, but it was really cool because being on a track and um, people were, people started to gather around and knowing that I was about to hit the record. And um, I saw people bringing their kids out Aww. to the track. And, um, I mean, so many people told me that their, their kids were so inspired. Um, one, one guy said his, his little boy woke up at six o'clock and he wanted to go see me finish. And, um, and you know, people, people were, had signs, they were making signs and coming out and cheering me on, uh, go Camille number one. Um, and so it was, I mean, like I had a smile on my face already, you know, to begin with, but I mean, it just got bigger. (laughs) as i know i was approaching the record so i uh, but yeah once i hit the record i had to keep going uh you know another 15 minutes right it's kind of a it's kind of a cruel
0: cruel torture
1: <laughs> yeah because
0: is that the thing like you hit the record but then like you you have to be moving for the 24 hours still
1: yeah i mean i could i you could stop at any time but obviously i want to raise the bar as high as i can mm. um and so you know i was hoping i could get like another mile and a half uh beyond the record and um you know and and so once i once i finally stopped at 24 hours oh my gosh um i don't know if you've seen the video of it but i mean i literally was about to fall over and they had to had to grab me and you know set, set me down in a chair and um i mean i'm just i'm just so exhausted like i mean that's it was the by far the furthest i've run and um yeah, I mean it's just complete complete mental physical exhaustion. So
0: Would you say it's the hardest thing you've ever done? Oh. I <laughs> You've done some really hard things. <laughs> I
1: I think that definitely takes takes the cake. Um I mean, I I can respect like the challenges of different distances, different surfaces and um I mean, this was a completely different mental challenge I would say it was mentally the hardest thing I've ever done um, you know it's 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 highly debatable as far as like the pain level I've mm-hmm. experienced before I mean when I when I ran the 100k world championship um, uh, three and a half years ago I, I was puking the final 35k of that race and it's a I was, long
0: time to be puking.
1: <laughs> I mean, you you know, I'm coming from a marathoning background and you know, people people puke and they, you know, for a couple miles, but I was puking for about thirty five K and I was trying to maintain, you know, low seven minute pace while puking. So that I, I I could say that's probably the most pain I've been ever been in, but as far as the twenty four hour event, it was the most like physical mental exhaustion pure exhaustion that I've ever had so
0: now there's something you know there are not very many people even if they could physically do what you can do um that wouldn't be able to do it mentally like how do you how do you do it like, where does that come
1: from <laughs> where does that come from man i tell you i i seriously think it my parents um my my parents are both we're both very good athletes and um like just I, I, you know, growing up as a basketball player and um, being able to to push myself uh, as a basketball player to the point where I would be blacking out. I would I would practice without food and water, and I would be blacking out. You know, as a seven year old, um, I feel like it's ingrained in me to to have a no fear type of attitude of. Uh, to to push myself to the extreme, um, and so like even even when I set when I set my twelve hour world record last year, I literally started having mental flashbacks to being a seven year old pushing myself till I would black out, and. Um, you know, that it's just something that's ingrained in me. And um, yeah, I mean, it becomes ultra is such a cool thing, because it, it's it's more about it's it's beyond beyond, you know, how good of a runner you are, it really becomes more mental and, and your your ability to, to concentrate. Um, and to push through, as I found out, sleep deprivation. <laughs> uh, you know, um, being being able to to handle, um, you know, running running on empty, um, running on uh, fumes, basically, and how good of a fuel uh, fat metabolizer you are. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it it just goes back to being a kid. I grew up as an athlete and um, being able to push myself to the extreme as you know a young a young athlete. So.
0: Do you think you're going to want to break that record again? Or are you like, I'm cool. (laughs) I'm going to sit on this. Uh, Yeah. I mean, right, right, right
1: now the media, like I haven't run for several days and, um, it's, I, I have like no desire to run right now at all. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. Oh gosh. Um, but yeah, I, I, mean, I, I qualified for the, the 24 hour world championship next October, And, um, I still see it as my, my lifetime goal is to get over 170 for 24 hours. So I, I, I think that, um, I think you know um the competition I'm really really fueled by the competition and um going to the 24 hour world championship everybody's going to be bringing their A game and um I'll have I'll have se- several men to compete with um and so yeah I think it's going to be really cool to to see like you know I hope that, that, that everybody hangs in there you know that we can push each other for the for the full 24 hours to try and hit, you know, that 170 uh, magic mark. So,
0: why is 170 the magic mark? You did 162 this past weekend. So, <sighs> what's it with 170?
1: Yeah. So, um, so I, I, uh, so basically, I, I was 9.7 percent off the men's world record for 100 miles. So, equating that to 24 hours, and um, is 170 miles for for for. Um, uh, for for women, basically. So okay, uh, yeah. So I I feel like you know I'm trying to be the best that I can be, and I'm not just trying to pace myself for the women's world record. I I, I mean, for me for me to have done what I did at a hundred miles. I had to focus on myself and trying to get the most out of myself and not just aiming for the pace of what other women have done and so I mean I broke I broke the world record by so much for 100 miles because I just focused on my myself and and trying to hit 75% effort for for that distance um, and so you know for for us to continue to transcend for 24 hours, I've got to really focus on getting the most out of myself and, and not just focus on the, the current world record that I set. Um, you know, I feel like I can, I can troubleshoot a lot better and I know what to expect going through uh, overnight and going through the full day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just going to take what I learned and, um, you know, continue to try to, to improve my my mileage for, for that distance. Yeah. So.
0: So, and you, I have to wonder when I look at this too, because you set the, the 100 mile world record on the track, but then you went on to run 62 more miles. So does that make you <laughs> think like, well, what could I have actually done with, I was just running a hundred miles on the track? How fast could I have actually done that on the track? Do, does yeah. that factor in at all?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, last year I set I set the world record, the, the, uh, across all surfaces, I set the 100 mile world record of, um, 12, 42, 40, Um, so yeah, I mean, I, for, for a straight up hundred miles, I've run 1242. Um, and so, I mean, I, I knew, I knew in my head, like I thought, I thought I could hit like 13, close to about 1330 in route to 24 hours. Um, but yeah, when I, when I, when I set my world record at 1242, I actually did that on trail. And so that's a slower surface than on a track. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of think that if I ran, uh, I mean, I would love to do a hundred, a straight up hundred miles on a track. And I I think that maybe I could get down to like 1220 to 1230. That would be kind of my, my goal that I want to do. But, you know, I, I I just wanted to break the world records, uh, you know, just to go that distance. And now I can try to work on improving my records and see how, how much faster I can go.
0: Like I can only break so many records in one race in one season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I
1: like. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, it's like uh, as far as women who have done um, a really hard hundred within a twenty four hour bit um, and Trace had done it, um, and Pam Smith had done it. So, I mean, I, I knew it was possible to run like a pretty good hundred and to keep going. Um, but, but yeah, like they, they are very different events. Like, you know, to to be able to run overnight and go that 24 hours, um, it, it becomes more mental and, and um, that's something that you know you have to figure out how to troubleshoot and to to persevere and and to keep moving so
0: I need to have this Ann Trayson on my show <laughs> She she's quite the character actually that that that's
1: funny because I I was on um I was on another podcast called Tent Junk Miles Um, And they they had had Ann tracing on like a month before they had me on there. And, um, and so yeah, it was kind of funny, because, uh, like, I had listened to her podcast. And so I kind of, I kind of knew, like, you know, uh, they, they were excited, because I, I was up in Chicago, basically traveling en route. And so they, they had had Ann Trayson up in Chicago, and so she had stayed over at the, the guy's house and, and done the podcast. Um, and so now he, he joked that that he's had two Comrades Champions on his podcast and that have stayed at his house. So yeah, so yeah. Now- <laughs> Now, now you've got to get Ann on and uh, the podcast because you'll, you'll, the, the same thing. You'll, you will have had two comrades champions on your podcast. Yes.
0: So. I would love that. I feel like I keep hearing her name. I mean, you've talked yeah. about her a lot, but in the recent, in my recent um, endeavors and things I've been doing, for some reason she keeps getting brought up and I'm like, I should really talk to her because she was, you know, making waves before the ultra scene was really even like as loud as as it is now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's crazy to think that what she was doing like 20 to 30 years ago, I mean, she was doing, she was doing things without like, you know, nobody knew what women could do. And she set the bar so high that um, her records have stood all these years. And, um, you know, I, I've broken several of her records now. And um, it was not easy. <laughs> it was, she was not, It's not been easy to break her records. I mean, it took – last year when I broke her 12-hour record, um, it took everything I had. And, I mean, I, I literally – I think I got it by, like, just under a mile – or something like that. And that record had stood since 1991. So she had done that at a time when, you know, women weren't really running ultras. And she would just go out there and run her, run, you know, with her heart and get everything out of herself. And, um, and you know, those, she definitely, I mean, she is still considered the greatest of all time, everything that she's done. I mean, it's just, she had a very long career and, um, you know, it's been very inspiring to me to, to learn more about her and, um, to, you know, just be trying to follow in her footsteps and see if I can, uh, challenge, uh, some of her amazing records. So
0: that's so cool. Well, let's talk about comrades real quick too, because you are the champion <laughs> from 2017. Uh, 56 mile race, 705 pace, but tell everybody about that marathon, the elevation, the altitude and all that, and the fact that you ran 705 pace for 56 miles.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, as far as lifetime achievements, I mean, that is the ultimate race to win as an ultra runner. And it was even getting into ultras, like, I mean, I didn't know how good I was going to be at it, but I knew that I always wanted to run Comrades and, you know, to to be able to win it. I mean, it's like a dream come true. Like it literally, I, after I won it, I actually had this moment for about a month after it that I, I felt like okay, I feel like I could retire now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of reassess my goals and think about what else I wanted to do with my career. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a grueling, grueling race because you climb, um, I won the uphill course. Um, so it alternates being either uphill or downhill. Um, every and I year, a-
0: like, it goes back and forth every year.
1: Yeah. So imagine, imagine that the Boston marathon was run at the opposite direction and they alternated it, you know, being up, up, uphill or downhill. So the comrades marathon is like running Boston. Um, I won the uphill course. So it's like running Boston times two with an extra 2000 feet of climbing. Wow! And so, so yeah, and it's, um, so we climbed like 6,000 feet um, over 55 miles. And it's hot, like they're in their winter time, and it's like 85 degrees, and um, so you're running in the heat, you're climbing 6,000 feet, going through the mountains on the road, um, and yeah, and I mean, I ran 705 per mile, um, and. <laughs> And even but before the race, like I was trying to look at like Strava data uh, with Sage Canada, uh, and I could not wrap my head around how fast they were going, um, climbing as much as they were. And it's one of those things where I mean, it's such a it's such a major event that it's like running the New York City Marathon, and you have so much momentum behind you that when you're in the moment and have 500,000 fans on the side, like cheering you on that, I felt like all that momentum helped to carry me, and um, with all that climbing. And, um, it was the thrill of a lifetime. I felt like, you know, six plus hours of thrill, just pure adrenaline. And, and um, yeah. And I mean, I, I led it from start to finish and, um, I don't know if you've seen my finish from that race, but I actually stopped. uh I stopped like they had a timing mat and to 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 be able to know who was coming into the finish line um and I stopped like 200 meters from the finish line because they they handed me a baton and a a rose and I thought I was finished (laughs) and it's like a reality tv show or something because they're televising it you know six million people at home watching and um I'm stumbling around thinking I was finished and everybody's like, no, no, you gotta <laughs> keep going. And so uh, so finally like another runner came behind and tapped me and pointed that I had to go around the corner and keep running to the finish. So fortunately I, I had enough of a lead that um you know I, I was able to stumble around for about a minute. And then um, get myself. I mean, I literally went into mad sprint and those final 200 meters, and um, yeah, it was like it was so much relief to get to the finish line, and you know, I I hadn't hadn't lost the race, you know. Fortunately, I had enough, enough of
0: a lead. So. Can you imagine if that <laughs> would happen? Like, oh my gosh,
1: oh my gosh, I would not be able to live that down. No, oh. so this was a
0: male runner that came running by
1: yeah and he was like
0: hey you're not done yet and you're the female champion you better get there if you want to be the champion
1: oh my gosh and uh, I mean people it was so funny to look at social media after that I mean people people were literally like having a heart attack like here they'd watch me on tv for you know six plus hours and they didn't want me to lose it in the last 200 they were invested
0: yeah did you how much did you win by though
1: uh, I think it was like four plus minutes. Oh, um, so I
0: mean, it was, that's a good chunk of time, but if you were lollygagging around too long, it would have, could have been bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny to watch because, uh, watching the, the, the TV and they, they started to cut away to show me stumbling around the finish and they started to <laughs> flash and show the second place woman, like, <gasps> <at me. laughs>
0: make it, then, it dram-
1: dramatic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh, so funny, yeah. Oh gosh.
0: <laughs> so yeah, and I mean, for those listening who haven't heard of the comrades marathon or have heard about it, but like you know, it's a big deal. But you don't like some people might not realize like how big of a deal this race is, like it's world huge. worldwide.
1: Yeah, I I mean it's so so I mean Comrades has 20,000 people. It's it's the most competitive ultra in the world. Um I think it's been going since like 1921. Um and so yeah, I mean it's like it's like the Boston Marathon of ultras. Like it's the most competitive um I won like, I don't know, $60,000 or something like that. So, I mean, it draws the best ultra runners in the world. i um, trying to compete for this massive prize purse. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it's like hitting the lottery. Like I feel like I won the lottery and um, it's like, what do you do now? I'm going to Disney world. You know?
0: <laughs> well, and you know, people hear that and they think, Oh, you won this m- amount of money running this race, but like you're training year round to win this race. But going into this yeah. race, you had been injured and then you kind of like had an eight week build. When did exactly. you guys decide you were going to like go for it? Cause from what I heard, your husband was like, we're not going to do this unless, like, you really have a shot at winning.
1: Oh, man. I feel like – I literally feel like you could you could make a movie about this because it just – it almost feels – it just seems like a dream. Like, I can't even believe what everything I went through. But but basically, I had torn my MCL at a trail race back in mid-March. And, um, I mean, it was an ugly MRI. When I got the MRI on my knee, I mean – my knee was swollen like a small football and to get the MRI and to show it like, like it looked like spaghetti or something. Um, and so it was really, really badly torn. And, um, my, I working with my PT, I mean, we started rehabbing it right away and I basically took two weeks off and, and then I started trying, I started trying to walk and to get myself moving. And then once I started trying to run, I, like 2 weeks. I mean normally you tear your MCL and you have to rest like 6 to 8 weeks. And um and so I was just trying to rehab my knee and get back walking, try to get try to get back running and I literally the first time I tried to run it was like I went 50 meters and and then my knee would give out and it was hard to wrap my head around, oh my gosh, I can only run 50 meters. How am I going to go run 55 miles, you know? Um, and it was kind of incredible because it felt like kind of like what I experienced with the 24 hours. It became more mental drive of trying to will my legs to move again. So I just kept walking and trying to do these spurts of running. And within like a week, I had gotten myself back to where I could run, um, like I don't know, 45 minutes or something like that. Um, so I kind of just had to take it a day at a time and a week at a time and. I think it was, it was a pretty rapid, um, build, build up back to fitness. And I, I mean, it's just, I just can't even believe it all happened. You know, it's, it's hard to believe I literally went from having this badly, badly injured knee to like within a month I was back up to like a hundred miles a week. Um, but yeah it, it was a very emotional buildup that I had for that race. I mean, I literally felt like I was crying like every other day and, um, trying to wrap my head around, okay, can I do this? You know, am I going to be able to, to toe the line? And we didn't, we didn't even book our plane tickets for the race until like two weeks before it. And I had done a, I had done a workout that, um, the two weeks before it that I felt like, okay, I think I can, I think I can do it. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, to, to, to win a race like that, it, it felt like it took so much emotional drive, um, knowing what I had overcome and went into it and, you know, just wanting to nail it and get it right. Um, and (laughs) I always feel like, uh, I think, I think, you know, if you read about Jane Benoit Samuelson, I think she had like surgery on her knee or something like, you know, before she won the Olympics. And, um, it was that same sort of like, uh, like drive, like, you know, knowing everything that you overcame, you know, helped to, to inspire and motivate you to, to have an amazing moment. So,
0: well, and you've said you won that race with your heart. And how do you do yeah. that? Like, how do you race with your heart? You get you get <sighs> to the line, and instead of being nervous, you feel excited to to do something special.
1: Yeah, gosh, i i just have um I just have a way of elevating myself, and um, when i when I'm in a and and you know you you have that that moment, you have that opportunity, and you want to make the most of it, and um, the the last thing that I told myself on the starting line there was to, to let the magic come out. And so I know I just have this, this way of elevating myself uh, to a whole other level. Um, when I have those moments and, um, Yeah. I mean, you know, you watch, you watch the video of it and it literally, it literally looks like I'm putting my whole body into it. I'm putting my, my physical, mental, emotional, it's just like this drive to, to succeed. So,
0: and what do you do in your head when a moment creeps in where you're like, oh shoot, oh shoot, this is really (laughs) hard. Like, how am I going to keep going?
1: Yeah, I did. I, I mean it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a completely perfect race. Um I between my, my knee, my knee, you know, wasn't 100%. I, I my knee was probably about 95% um okay and um my, my hamstring. I've had hamstring issues for for several years and um climb all that climbing my I felt my butt on my right side tightening up and um you know, I just I just had to think about, you know, how hard I had worked. And how I felt in training, I mean, I, I envisioned myself, I go and do these uh, mountain runs down at Mount Scott and I'm climbing up the mountain and, you know, I'm gritting my teeth, you know, running up the mountain. So I literally envisioned myself running up a mountain and thinking about how I felt in training and, um, you know, just trying to, trying to stay very level headed and persevere through any difficulties i was going through and so that that's just kind of what i thought about i mean it's it's you know you think about the things you overcame and and how you found training and and how much it means to you i mean i like it's it's inspiring, you know, to be able to be in that moment, winning comrades, and you know, it's the the one race that I would love to win in my lifetime. And you just you just grab the bull by the horns. Uh, you just you just grab the bull by the horns, and you stared in the eye, and you said, you know, I'm not afraid of you. Like I'm going to take you by the horns, and I'm I'm going to 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 do this. So, and um, that's pretty much how I felt. <laughs>
0: You just said one of those things that as a podcast host, I'm like, yes, keep it coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> You're like, hope Sorry. you draw that out of people, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and we won't get into this too much cause we're running out of time, but you know, then you kind of went back three weeks later to do the whole like comrades, Western States thing and went, you wanted to win both. And, and for those listening Camille fell and she got a concussion and it's this whole yes. big deal. Uh, but yeah. the question lies because you were fit to do something special there. Um, the question yeah. remains like do you still want to go win Western states?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Like I I'm totally I, I laugh because I've had I've had such a similar career to Ann Trayson because she she DNF'd her first two uh, western state she dnf'd her first comrades i think she dnf'd her first leadville And um, you know and so we you make these mistakes and um it's it's hard to wrap my head around what happened at western states because i mean i literally slid down a snow embankment and hit my head had a concussion and um, this is five miles into a hundred mile race and i have a concussion and i'm barely conscious and you know it just felt like it wasn't meant to be like, it's like okay a it was a totally freak thing, and um, everybody, every I mean, I'm I'm I definitely have a, a, a sense of humor about it because I joke that I'm like Bambi on ice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I got I got to learn how to plant my feet and become a mountain goat. Uh, so, so yeah, I definitely, you know, I, I got into Western States for this coming year and, um, I want to redeem myself. I want to be able to follow in Anne's footsteps and redeem myself and to prove I can run on trails. Um, and so, yeah, I like, I, I'm hoping next year is going to be my year to, to get redemption at those races where, uh, you know, I had some
0: freak things happen. So, but will you do comrades Western States or will you just focus on Western States?
1: yeah i'm I'm doing both I really like, yeah absolutely like i I feel like I mean you know as far as like and and traces improved that's possible and um, she actually did it with uh, two weeks of recovery between both races and I'm gonna have three weeks next year so I know I know it's possible and um, I would say Comrade, comrades is definitely the much much harder race to win okay so If I can, if I can pull up the win at comrades, like. I mean that would just be incredible in itself, and um, but yeah, to be back in position to to possibly win, comrades in Western states. I mean, I gotta make it happen. Like hopefully, hopefully, I don't have any more freak accidents <laughs> that I can't really control. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I would love to be back in that position again and and um, to to try and pull off the double. So so
0: 2019 are those the two. You know, are those your two big goals? You have your sights set on. What are there other races that you're like? That's important as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I um. So so I want to go back. I tried to do Leadville last year as well, and I had a I had a hip injury there. Um. So I want to go to Leadville and try to go for Anne's course record there. Um. So you 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 might have read the book Born to Run. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so they they talk about Anne racing against the the Terramara Indians, um, and so yeah, her her record there is pretty iconic, um, and I would love to be able to go back there and try to try to um, you know chase her her record there. So yeah, I'm hoping that my I've got pretty much like four big goals um, between comrades, Western States, Leadville, and then I qualified for the 24 hour World Championship in October. And um, so yeah. Those are going to be my main goals. And then, you know, I can, can sprinkle in anything else that I feel like doing. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a pretty, pretty big plate so far.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Camille, I've got a couple listener questions real quick. Uh, sure. Shawana wants to know this. These are coming from my Facebook group. So people, uh, yeah, yeah Shawana. you do. Shawana, so people listen, yes. if you haven't Join the Facebook group. Join the Facebook group so you can get it on things like this. Um, yeah, Shawana White. She wants to know: Will you run another marathon?
1: Well, I run another marathon. I yeah, it's. I had such a such an amazing marathon and career. Uh, I mean, I made three Olympic marathon trials. I mean, I feel like I got just about everything I could out of myself. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it especially as I'm getting older. I mean, I'm 36 now, and and it would. It would be amazing to try and make, you know, a fourth Olympic marathon trials or a fifth. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just see what happens. And if I can uh, fit in a marathon amongst my, my busy schedule. But um, obviously, CIM looks like the place to go to. So uh, maybe maybe CIM next December is the place to be.
0: If you Now, this is a question. Then if you did run a marathon at CIM, and qual- in in 2019, would that qualify you for the 2020 trials, or would you? Would that does that work out that way? Can you run it that close to the trials? Do you know? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, me me personally, I I, I mean, I I'm not afraid to to, <laughs> to bounce back. Uh, you know, to go run a marathon. And um, I I don't remember when the window is. It January maybe? Ge- I think it might it be cuts off. Yeah, like Jan. I think it's like a month before the trials. And um, so whenever. I'd have to look at look at their uh, guidelines, but but yeah, I mean, I I would love to to be in a position where maybe I could go qualify. I could go try to run like Cim or maybe Houston a year from now. Um, so yeah, we'll just we'll just see what happens and if I can fit in a marathon somewhere. But um, but at the same time, I mean, <laughs> i've i kind of been a I've kind of been away from the marathon for a while, and I mean, it's a it's a totally different like physically physically and you got to be pretty sharp and I'd have to get back into doing some shorter road races to, to get to where I could my legs would turn over like that again
0: and then if you did it would you be like well I qualified so I'm gonna would you go run the trials for fun I I think I would.
1: Um, I I qualified for 2016 and I ended up not racing it because I I had had such a heck of a year the year before that I just needed to take a break around that time. Um, but I I would definitely do it this time. Um, I mean, as I, as I'm getting older, it's it's just one of those like points of pride that um, you know. You yeah. Know, like, You're trying to defy age and it's pretty cool that, I mean, I, I was at the 2008 trials and, you know, here I was a a young pup at the time and now I'm getting older and it's kind of cool to, to still be able to, to possibly do that. So.
0: Okay. I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Karima. Karima. I I feel like a total hillbilly butchering the name. K-A-R-I-M-A. Karima. Is that what you would say?
1: Uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay,
0: she wants to know what do you think about in general, like when you're running, if there's not a change of scenery, um, what do you think about on these like, crazy long runs?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. And um, I think about a lot, like when when I ran my hundred mile world record last year, and I hit like 80 miles, and I still had 20 miles to go, and I really get into the mindset of how do I, how how did I feel in my training and then workouts and I really just try to focus on that that feeling and trying to you know keep my legs turning over and and maintaining pace and so yeah I really try to channel my training and how I felt in training and I also think about people that inspire me um, so, so even for like the 24 hour world record, um, one of our good friends, uh, David Manguno, um, he had passed away six weeks before the race, um, unexpectedly. And he was like, he was like the real Forrest Gump. Like he was this, this regular guy, a uh, regular runner that would put in like 7,000 miles per year, and. And so he was, I really like to channel like people that inspire me. And, um, I think about Yanni's chorus and, and Trayson and, uh, like how I, how, how important it is for me to be able to, to, you know, I, I feel like, like I deserve to succeed. I've worked hard and it, this is my moment. I've got to make it happen. So.
0: That's awesome. That's good. That's good <laughs> advice too, that we can all kind of take with us. <clears throat> Um, all right. I had a couple more listener questions, but I'm going to do my end of the podcast questions because uh, <laughs> we got to roll. We're at 108. Um, Camille, what's one thing professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Oh, something I haven't done. Um, Well, I I mean, I I see my career as getting into more trail running and adventure running. And I mean, I would love to go take on UTMB over in Europe. Um, You know, everybody everybody sees me kind of more now, you know, as a road and track runner, but I, I mean, I love to diver- diversify my, my um, career to be able to cross surfaces and distances, and um, yeah, so I, I'd love to go take on UTMB, and I mean, nobody nobody's won Comrades in UTMB, though literally, the UTMB is probably the most competitive trail race, and uh, to be able to, to win both of those would be pretty iconic achievement, so...
0: Who you know? I know, obviously, Ann Trason is someone who you look up to, and a lot of people in the ultra world look up to. Who are some uh, women on the scene now that you see as someone you look up to?
1: Oh, gosh, that's, that's a great question. Um, oh, man, I like I, I've definitely loved Um, I, I didn't get to run comrades this year. But I'm just as much a fan of the sport. And um, it was really cool to follow it online. And um, and Ashworth ended up winning and she ended up beating my friend Gerda um and so yeah i mean i'm i'm <laughs> i laugh because they're you know they're my competition but at the same time i'm just as much a fan of the sport mm-hmm. and i i love i love you know i i run with my heart and you know when i put it all out there i mean i want people to be inspired and so you know it's really fun for me to watch other runners that you know you see that come out you see that emotion and that drive you see when somebody wants to wants to put their heart out there and um, you know dina or uh, uh, Desiree, Desiree, uh, da, uh, I, I, I always think of her maiden name. That's really bad. Linden. She's Desi. Desi Linden. Yeah. Uh, you, you didn't, know, didn't watch I was, Yeah, it was so crazy. I, I still think of her as uh, Desi Davila. Uh, but yeah, she watching Boston, I mean, I watching her and Shalane at New York city. I mean, it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever, you know? And so I'm, I'm definitely inspired by them and, you know, being a fan of the the marathon still. So,
0: you know, it's, that's interesting you bring up does, because I think that she said she wants to do comrades one day.
1: Yeah, I would love it. I would, I mean, I, I hope that me, you know, being, a, being a marathoner, being a marathoner is, you know, drawing more interest from other marathoners to try and, and um, I would love to see her try it. I mean, She definitely seems like she's, like, so level-headed that if anything were to happen, she would be the type to just, like, you know, let it brush over her and keep going. So it would be so cool to see her try Comrade. So I I hope she does do it.
0: Yeah, I think um, I heard her say that one time. And then I also recently uh, listened to her on another show. And I think she was kind of talking about having that, like, in a marathon. Like, if she had an extra five miles, like, what what could she do you know so yeah yeah so That, that would be interesting
1: wow that that would be cool yeah maybe um i'd love to see her go for like the the 50k world record or something
0: yeah yeah that would be cool okay so what is the best most recent book you've read
1: best most recent book um you know this is really funny but um, my first running book was lore of running by timothy noakes okay and i had the third edition of it which came out in like 1991 and basically it did not have anything about and Tracy in there huh. and So I grew up, I grew up, I had no idea who Anne Trayson was. Like my, my heroes, as far as ultra runners was like Bruce Fordyce and, um, uh, Giannis Coroz. And so I, so, so anyways, I was over at my friend, um, Janet Cherubim, um, Balcom's house. And I realized she had the fourth edition of Lord of Running and it had all this, all this whole section on Anne Trayson. And I, I was blown away, and I said, "Okay, I need to learn more about Anne Trason." And so I've started getting—I ended up getting the fourth edition of *Lord of Running* um, about a month ago, and I feel—I feel like I'm like you know, learning more history about ultra running, and um, you know, just try more, learn more about her career and, um, and yeah, anything, anything I can learn to become a better ultra runner, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. So I, I've, I've, I, I, I keep mentioning Ann Tracey because I've been on this Anne Tracey reading, reading <laughs> kick lately. So
0: that's pretty cool though. I mean, and the cool thing about that too, is to think 20 years from now, someone in their 30s might be on a Camille Heron kick you know I mean that's really truly the, yeah, the road you're setting for yourself here yeah I you know here
1: I, I I'm such a I'm such a women's running geek and you know what I'm doing you know breaking all these records and you know I I, I probably will become you know part of a book and like who knows where this will all go but um but, yeah, I mean, it's it's been really cool for me to, like, have people tell me that their their kids are inspired by me. Um, one of my friends locally, her friend ended up doing a – she had to do, like, a, a Hero Day uh, presentation and um, did, like, a poster board thing on me. Um, you know, so I'm just – just to hear things like that, I mean, it's just really touching that you know what I what I how I'm inspiring people and and you know changing the history and and elevating the sport for others. So
0: yeah, you talk about setting the bar a lot now, like raising the bar, raising the bar now. Raising the bar, yeah. <laughs> what What do you want to be remembered by in the sport? So say in ten years when you're not competing at this level anymore, however far away that is for you. How do you want people to remember you as a competitor and and a fierce runner?
1: Yeah, maybe for my hair. (laughs) Yeah, you always wear your hair down. What's up with that? I, like, I actually, I started running with my hair down, like, my freshman year of college, and it just felt so, like, liberating (laughs) I I just feel like, I love to feel the wind blowing through my hair, and I just feel so free, and um you know, I, it kind of, it kind of gives this, like, this, this image of, you know, putting your whole body into it, your, putting your heart into it, and so, yeah, I mean, when, when, when people, I want people to remember me as, you know, I gave it all I had, and I, I look, I look like I put, everything into me and you know my hair is kind of part of that (laughs) that (laughs) is awesome
0: (laughs) yeah because your hair's not short
1: no it's it's actually gotten longer um i i probably need to get cut now it's getting a little too long um but yeah since i've gotten into ultra running i've kind of grown it out and um it's kind of cool i mean i i like i like the feel the the it's almost like a like like a lion's mane type thing yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> did you run yeah. com- Comrades with your hair down like that?
1: I did. I did. It's it's actually really cool to, to watch. And, and even one, one of my friends did a painting of me and my hair's like blowing and um. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it was fun to read read everybody everybody's comments. Like they're like, how does she run with her hair down?" And I um, mean, you know, it's just something I've done for a long time. So All
0: right, I'm gonna try to do it. I don't think I can. My hair's shorter than yours too, but I don't. I don't <laughs> think I can do it. But I'm, I'm gonna just like. Go out for like a three mile run to see what it feels to see if I get that freedom feeling that you're talking about. (laughs) There you go. Okay. I normally say if you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or aspiring, who would it be? But for you, I'm going to say beer or Taco Bell. Who would it be? Who would you have that with?
1: Beer or Taco Bell. I, I, funny enough, I I was already asked this question in another interview, um, and I said Paula Radcliffe. (laughs) Mm, Really? definitely you know she's I, I laugh because i i ran the new york city marathon back in 2011 and um she's like on the table beside me and i thought i was going to like fall out of my chair oh <laughs> And I, I like, I didn't go over to say hi to her or anything. But um, I think she knows who I am because she's like said she's like like congratulated me on um, on Twitter. So I think she knows who I am. But I would, I would, just be, I would be over the moon if i if I got to <laughs> if I got to meet her and have a beer or go for a run. She seems very delightful, and and I yeah, we're kind of built the same too. We're both pretty tall and yeah. like long long limbs. And I, I'm sure we would probably hit it off. So,
0: okay. Well, I have to tell you, you need to go. I, I don't like being a name dropper, but I've had the opportunity to interview her. So you need to go back and listen to her on my podcast.
1: Oh, to listen, Paula Radcliffe. Yes. Oh, she, nice.
0: Yeah. I had the opportunity to interview her in New York marathon weekend this year and say the show is episode 149. So go back and listen to okay. it. Okay.
1: Okay. Oh my gosh. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. She, she's so like, she, she just looks like she glows in person. I literally, I had such a woman crush on her. Like I think she's so beautiful. Like oh my, I literally, it's like seeing an angel or something. It's like, whoa. You
0: know, <laughs> she does have that. Like it's a very like soft, angelic, glow. like way about like calm wave about way yes. about her. Yes. Wow. Well, that's so cool. <laughs> I love that answer. Um, what, Camille, is one message you'd like to send to the world?
1: Oh, gosh. Great, great question. Um, just to believe in yourself. Um I, I mean, I, I've always believed I I could be great. I've always, you know, I, I'm not the fastest marathoner, but I always believed I could get the most out of myself and, um, you know, towing the line at a race like comrades, I, I believed I could do it. I believed it was possible. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's like the biggest thing is if you believe in yourself, you can, you can do anything with, you know, put the, the drive that you have to, to achieve your goals. So.
0: I love that you mentioned the marathon thing too, because we're talking to someone who figured this ultra thing out that sure. that you were the best in the world at like 33, you know, and you had spent years marathoning, being really good marathoner, but not the best in the world marathoner. So you know, that just like gives a lot of hope to people because not that you're very old, but just the fact that you were doing this running thing for a long time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had a very long career and it's
1: funny because so many, so many people only know me now as an ultra runner and, they weren't following me as a marathoner because I, I wasn't necessarily one of the top marathoners, but um, but yeah, I mean the fact that I've stuck to it because so many so many women runners, you know, eventually, you know, they just kind of give up, you know, the competitive running. But I mean, I was I was able to reinvent myself as mm-hmm. an ultra runner and to to set completely new goals, and I didn't expect this to happen. Like I was pretty much I'm you know work full time. I was willing to. to, 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 you know, put my competitive goals aside and, you know, just become a recreational runner. Um, so I had no idea any of this was going to happen and, you know, it's, it's been really cool to, to reinvent myself. So
0: that's so cool. Well, I'm excited to, uh, see this comrades Western States (laughs) turnaround next year that you're going to do.
1: It's, it's going to be awesome. I mean, I I just hope I can be in the moment again to win comrades. And because that 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 in itself is hard enough. But um, to, to if I can do that, and then go into Western States, like, I will be so like ready to do it so yeah we'll 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 hope for the best and hope I don't hit any trees
0: this year or <laughs> next year no concussions
1: <laughs> no concussions knock on wood
0: <laughs> well I'm sure you have a million more media rounds to do so I really appreciate you taking this time to talk with me about everything
1: yeah it's so cool to connect with you and so yeah thank you thank you for for catching me after after my amazing 24 hours and uh sharing my experience so
0: if you ever come back to Indy for you know just to like go back in the day from your West Lafayette days let me know
1: Oh, that's so cool. So do, do you go see Terry? Like, do you get massages with him?
0: I don't. No, I don't get massages oh. with him, but I know him well. And, you know, he's yeah. a big, big part of the running community here in Indianapolis. He's a great guy. Oh,
1: he's awesome. I, I wish I had him here. Like, he was definitely an amazing, amazing massage therapist to work with. So,
0: okay. So maybe I should go to him.
1: You should. You should get a <laughs> massage. Tell him I sent
0: you. Okay, I, I will. I totally recommend him. <laughs> I will. All right. Cool. Thanks, Camille.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay. Have a good rest of the day. <laughs> you too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening today. Thank you, Camille, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Congratulations. We can't wait to see what you do in the future. You guys, don't forget to follow Camille. She's run Camille on Instagram. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine six two six. Would love to connect with you over there. We have a Facebook page and group. Both all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Make sure you join that group because lots of conversations are happening over there. And I also take guest suggestions over there as well. Links to all of that will be in the show notes. You can support my work behind this podcast if you head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And you do get bonus episodes over there as well. There's probably around 30 episodes logged. So as soon as you set it up, once you sign up for Patreon, you just add it to your podcast feed and you will get notified every time a new episode is dropped over there. I just dropped one this week and there will be another one dropping next week as well. Again, that's patreon.com slash Lindsay All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.